official decom podcast what a week it's been what have you been up to uh watched some cartoon football today just hung out a little bit uh watched some cruise went to bed took some naps the usual nice nice what about you uh i've been you know watching decoms that's plural in the sense of i've watched one uh, I watched this one, and I'd say that's about it for my week. Yeah, I was I was gonna be concerned that you watched another decom this week separately. Have no. you watched <laughs> one? Have you watched one not for the podcast since we started the show? Yeah, I, I've most certainly not. I didn't watch them before. I didn't watch. I won't watch them after. Uh, <laughs> and when I am off the clock, I will not watch them because I don't. I don't get paid for it. And I don't get paid for watching the ones we're supposed to either. When are you exactly on the clock? Because I feel like you have like two hours of operation. A day or a week? A week. No, you're right. You're right. Um, I mean, on the clock for this is a couple hours, either Saturday, Saturday night or Sunday afternoon to watch a decom. I take my notes, I do the pod, and then I crash for the rest of the week and recharge for next Sunday. Right, and then you act as if it's the hardest thing. <laughs> I should be, be pampered and for refuse, what I do. And you refuse to get a new microphone. Yeah, yeah that's besides the point. You know what I'm going to do at the end of this podcast when we get to yeah. uh, whatever the new under wraps is? Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to publish all my notes in one book, and you're going to see how many notes I have taken for this podcast and what I go through. Okay, I'm excited to, I'm excited to see that happen. I could publish it, and the amount of pages it would have would be a lot. Be a lot of pages, at least a hundred. Oh, it'd be over a hundred. Um. Well, before we drive the viewers away by exploring that option, <laughs> I'm excited for this movie. Yeah, yeah. You said you enjoyed it in the past. You've watched it before. I haven't. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Miracle in Lane Two. Oh yeah, we are doing that one. We are doing that one. I don't have anything on the top. I mean, I have a lot to say on Frankie Munoz. Uh, you told me not to look at the actors. Uh, I told kind, you kind not of... to look. I told Ethan not to look up a single actor for this movie. You did not say that. No, you said all the actors. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean? You said That's a single actor. Said. Yeah. You... I told you not to look up a single actor. I told you not oh. to all the actors means the same thing. No, it clicked. It clicked. I thought you meant... I told... Ethan, not to look up a single actor, like one actor. I told him not to look up a single one. You know, synonyms, synonym. I'm allergic to synonym. The gameplay. I have, I have, I have ten thing. I have ten actors written down. My God. Yes. So it's gonna be fun because it makes up for the fact that I have like less jokes for this movie because <laughs> I think it was just a good movie. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 There um, not a lot of jokes to be made. I don't. I don't really have anything at the top either. Um, there's something about soapbox racing that I, I want to bring up because it was a scandal, and I love a good scandal, especially in the soapbox ra- soapbox races. Um, but I don't know if that's better to explain later after we have a general understanding of soapbox racing. Yeah, maybe it's better later. I don't know. If, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's wait until we. I'm sure we can put it in organically. If not, I will record it separately, send it to you, 
and then you can just throw it in whenever you want, whether it makes sense or not. It'll go after the outro. <laughs> I'll record it without the mic on. Maybe it'll sound better, maybe it won't, but it'll be a different sound. I'll be far away from wherever I'm speaking, and I will just say this one fact and not explain further. So stay tuned if you want to hear my fun fact about soapbox racing in 1973. Uh, well, I can't wait. So let's get into this. Let's do it. So Miracle in Lane 2 premiered on Disney Channel on May 13th, 2000. Good month. I think so. Yeah. Can't go wrong with May. No. Never can, really. Well, you probably could, but like in terms of months, I think solid we've one. recently gone wrong with May. Yeah, yeah. But there's been worse. It's mostly because we replaced it with March. It's still March. We know that. Um, Miracle Lane 2. Why don't, why don't we just talk about Frankie Muniz here? You're itching to do it, so I'm get into it. To... Miracle Lane 2 stars the Emmy-nominated Frankie Muniz as Justin Yoder. Frankie Muniz was a big part of my childhood. Do you, well, Have you watched any Frankie Muniz stuff? No. I, I know what he's been in. No? Nothing? I mean, probably. I didn't watch the big one. Um, what What's the, the big one to you? That's uh, the, the, the sitcom one. Um, okay. I, <laughs> for some reason, my mind is going that everybody hates Chris, but that's most certainly not it. He's not uh, everybody hates Chris. He is the star of... Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle. There we go. No, I said it before you. We're good. We're good. Um, I'll let the viewers decide. I... He's the star in Agent Cody Banks, one and two. He's in Big Fat Liar. Before all that, he's in My Dog Skip. He's in Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, and he famously remembers nothing about mm-hmm. his child acting, including probably this movie. Probably. Uh-huh. He did crash a couple of times in uh, the movie. In the movie, yes. Um, he, you know, and then, like, he's also going to become a race car driver. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's going to become <laughs> a race car driver. Uh, he, he meets Dale Earnhardt and drives the pace cars the day of the crash that kills Dale Earnhardt. Oh, jeez. He, he's gonna go into celebrity racing, and then it's gonna be like, I wanna become an owner, and then they're like, what if you just sign a contract with the Atlantic Championship Series, which is like a Formula One, but not, um, then he's gonna stop racing, gonna go and become a drummer in a band. Then he's going to go into another band, and then he's going to, while after that, become the manager of his bandmate's new band, where he tours with them and does the lights. Uh, in 2012, he gets hospitalized with a mini stroke, and then has one another year later. And then, like, like in, like, 2017, he's like, yeah, I've had, like, nine concussions. And... I don't remember most of my child acting experience. You know, he was such a such an important part of my childhood entertainment viewing. Me and my family watch Malcolm in the Middle all the time. I still go back and rewatch Malcolm in the Middle. I love Daisy and Cody Banks. Um, Fairly Odd Parents, obviously, watch that one all the time. Uh, might be named after Frankie Munoz. I don't think I would ever get the right answer. You? Yes, um, but yeah, Frankie Munez is, he's not going to show up in another decom if that's what you were hoping for, because he's going to pretty, pretty soon before this movie comes out, so this premieres in 2000, 
<laughs> my dog skip premieres in 2000. My dog skip premieres in 98, and then Malcolm in the Middle is January 2000. This is May 2000, and then he is just with Malcolm in the Middle for a while, does all these other movies, and then goes into his racing career. And has only recently come back into entertainment. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm a big fan of Frankie Munoz. I've got nothing on Frankie Munoz because uh, you didn't let me, but you had enough. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I would hope that you would have that information uh, prior to this, you know. <laughs> I just hope you'd know enough about him beforehand. Not really. Well. That's the beauty of it. That's Frankie Munoz. Um, I, can, I can cover the mom and the brother here. Please cover the brother. I'm so I'm so frustrated because you you once again I keep saying that you told me not to look up the actors. I did not recognize the actor for the brother's name. I ac- recognized the actor himself because he's been in a decom. But since I couldn't look anything up, I'm frustrated. Please okay. tell me what he's been in first, and then you can go on whatever spiel you want. Okay. Okay. So the brother is played by someone, but his mom is played by. Uh, Molly Hannigan, and we're gonna see her again. Thank goodness, she was in, pretty good in the Princess Protection Program. Yes, <laughs> we love a good Princess Protection. Uh, uh, not familiar. Seth Yoder is played by Patrick Levi's, who was Peter in Peter Brink. Oh, my mind was going the can of worms or something like that. That doesn't they make sense. All Brink. the same, yeah. There, <laughs> there's a bunch of like white guys with curly hair um, that show up, and most of them are pretty forgettable. Yeah, but do you, you remember him from Brink? I kind of remember him from Brink. I remember the actor. Right. Well, he he's the he is the one that's gonna do like the nine hundred. The he's gonna do the like crazy trick at the competition that's gonna get them into the final round. For Brink to race against Val, and sure. he's not the he's the other guy who's not dumb, and he's not the girl in the Soul Skating. Group. <laughs> he's he's not dumb, and he's not the girl. Like I remember him. I think the one part I remember was uh, he shows up when Brink's pretending to be sick, but that's about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you've got an idea. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those are the family members. So you want to get started with the actual movie? Yeah, well, I want to start with the rest of the movie. Let's do it. Okay, so we open the movie to a narration from our main character, Justin Yoder. Um, I guess something we've had to say is based on a true story, inspired by a true story. I think that was the word uh, they used before the movie started. Yeah, it's inspired by a true story off of an actual kid named Justin Yoder who did soapbox racing, who actually shows up in the movie. Does he? Yeah, he's in the crowd of, I believe, the final race. That's pretty cool. I think if you look back, he's not hard to miss because he's in a wheelchair. So, yeah, we meet Justin Yoder, or the character, is narrating here. Um, he goes through his family. We meet his dad. Uh, we're going to name off their main attributes right now. Dad's never home. He works two jobs. Uh, the mom's a mama cub bear, uh, always fighting for Justin. And no, she's a mama grizzly bear. So, oh, yeah, cub. That didn't make sense. Whatever, Mama Bear. Um, the brother Seth. Seth is the perfect child of the family, kind of, I guess. That's what Justin says. And then him, um, Justin Yoder, 
he's in a wheelchair because he has hydrocephalus and spina bifida, which basically is where spinal fluid builds up in your head and it has trouble. It affects a lot. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, you know, we're going heavy, but uh, I'm going to pull it off. And I'm also oh, they, impressed yeah. that uh, I'm impressed with you for um, writing those down because I didn't. That's what I'm here for. The technicalities of it. <laughs> it changes every time. <laughs> uh, so the weird thing about this movie is, I mean, you said you've never seen Malcolm in the Middle for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's entirely narrated by Frankie Munoz, especially and in the early seasons, it's the exact same age and time. So the whole thing just, like, every turn feels like a bit or a scheme. (laughs) It's not in this movie. Yeah, it's like, why is he in this garage? You know, like, like everything seems like Malcolm is playing a prank on someone. What what wacky hijinks are about to ensue? Right. Uh, Yeah, but that's the family. Um, So Justin then goes into a daydream here. Um, He's talking to God. And by God, we mean his favorite race car driver, Bobby Wade. Um, he's, he asks here if God messed up making him and if God can still perform miracles. Uh, this is then interrupted by the mom oh, no. coming, to the, coming to the room and... Same. What? Same. Miracles. No. No? All right. Never mind. Just keep going. Whatever. I'm not going to have to say that again. Um, it's interrupted the title by the... of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to avoid saying the title ever. Um, the mom comes into the room, interrupts this, and they have to go to their great uncle's funeral. Um, at the funeral, he has an existential crisis where he imagines what the uh, the pastor would say if he died. And we he seems here that the pastor would say nothing about him. Uh, he would talk more about the wheelchair instead. And then just during the funeral, out loud, he goes, what about me? And everybody looks at him. Uh, yeah. I like the podium wheelchair. They yeah. kind of like to lift the wheelchair on this like <laughs> holy podium. That's good. But yeah, I don't really have anything. I liked him talking to himself in the casket. Like he was sitting out in the audience and he was urging the guy in the casket to say something and the guy in the casket was himself. Right, which is also a very Malcolm in the Middle like <laughs> bit. Like, like something like this would absolutely have happened in Malcolm in the Middle. I love that. Yeah, it's it's very misleading and confusing. Also, um, I want to make this known that it is now canon that um, God is a car guy. Oh, in the and- DCOM universe? Are we, are we just saying that this is one, like, Pixar-style multiverse? Is this the, I w- <laughs> the DCOM-matic universe? I was more talking about real life, where... Uh, <laughs> All you know, the guy you see on the cross, like they hang him up in the church, he's usually above the altar and stuff. Uh, that's not uh, the Jesus? real guy. <laughs> I, I'm a little rusty, never mind. We're gonna, we're gonna move on. Uh, Grandma would be disappointed in me. I'm a little rusty too, but uh, uh, Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is not, they don't claim that Jesus is God. No, I know, I know, he's I know. <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> Let's move on uh, before I talk more about God in the wrong way. <laughs> no, I think you're fine. Okay. Um, 
after the funeral, we see Seth uh, running late for his soccer game. Seth is this uh, very athletic superstar kind of guy. Um, he's running late for the game, and the dad said he can't make it be ha- because he has to work. So Seth blames Justin for this because the dad has to work more because he has to help pay for uh, everything about Justin. Um, at the game, Seth scores the winning goal. Uh, and when Justin says that Seth usually takes him on a victory lap around the field, it doesn't happen this time because Seth is talking to a girl. Uh, and this it disappoints Justin. How old is the brother? Like, I, I, they're going to say later that he's 14, which is crazy that there's a two-year gap between these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie Munoz is also, I believe, 14 when this movie is being made. Uh, but, you know, he, he looks eight. He, he looks eight, and Seth looks, I'm going to say, 17. He could be 17. Yeah. I, he could be, you know, uh, so there's a, you know, something connects this and Rip Girls, at least, of the main character looking eight. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I've already forgotten about Rip Girls. Uh, I don't know why you're bringing that up to me. Uh, yeah, just like, the brother is 14, and he's still just like, it's it's uh, Justin's fault that that the dad works two jobs. It's all his fault. I don't know. I was a pretty, uh, guess, I don't know how to describe it. As a 14-year-old, I wasn't that smart, so I probably wouldn't have put it together either here. <laughs> I don't think you're very really that smart as a 21-year-old either, but honestly, I'm not either, so. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing about these DCOMs. When I, I, I go to call these, like, kids about out about acting unrationally, is that the word? Irrationally. Irrationally. I knew that was wrong. Um, and then I'm like, these kids are 12, 14, 10. I'm like, I wasn't acting correctly either. I so. didn't know what was going on ever, so yeah. who can blame them? So I let most of that slide. That's what we're here to do. Okay, okay. Um, I do love the line, though, uh, where Justin goes, no woman ever comes between the beastly rituals of the Yoder men. <laughs> I also... <laughs> it's a good line. Uh, <laughs> but I also uh, have to point out that the soccer coach played by Rick Fitz, who apparently we've already seen before. Oh, is this an attorney? Yeah, and I definitely at no point wrote down that he was an attorney. (laughs) I don't think, I was back in the day where I had not yet mastered the the actor analysis, so I don't (laughs) think he was remembered. But he was the detective in You Lucky Dog. Oh no, why would you bring up You Lucky Dog? Why not? You know? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking back, um, was there a detective in You Lucky Dog? Is there ever a bad time to bring up You Lucky Dog? I can think of a couple, but power to you. <laughs> it's a down week, Richard Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> We're allowed to bring up You Lucky Dog. <laughs> we, we've reached our Kirk Cameron count for the week. Let's move on. Um, Okay, I'm going to skim through. Like, There's a lot of jumping back and forth between scenes in this movie. So I'm going to say some things that... There's a couple of, like, heavy topics discussed in this movie, but in the thing of trying to talk about it, I'm going to zoom by him a little bit. I don't even know what you mean, so I can't even stop you, like, in uh, uh, no, podcast. No. Like, like you'll, you'll see when I say this, probably. So, uh, next scene, it's at night. Justin talks about how he's always thinking about death, 
and um, how for once he wants to be the one who wins the trophy because Seth is always winning the trophies. But then the next morning, he's like, I have a headache, and this is something big for the family uh, because, of course, the things in his spinal fluid in his brain, the whole family rushes to him to get him to the hospital, but Justin says that it's just a thinking too hard kind of headache. Right, right. He he kind of makes it clear early on that, like, oh, if I get a headache, I got to get to the hospital or else. Um, but, uh, yeah, here, Ju- here Justin's like, oh, I have a headache, and then his whole family goes into this, like, semi-plan uh, of action, but it's also a little bit, like, bumpy. The entire family says headache, but no one says it concerningly. They all kind of say it in excitement after he announces that he has a headache. So instead of being like, you have a headache? They're like, headache? And then they all sprint around the house as Justin tries to tell them that it's not a big deal. Uh, Because it's a weird... I don't know, I just personally wouldn't clear the table during this <laughs> yeah, it, they. I think one of the first things they do is they pick up the dishes off the table. The mom clears off the dishes from the table, and it's like you guys. You guys need one thing. You need keys. Uh, you need him in the van, and you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, it. it's like there's a couple of things like medication suitcases, but that's beside. Like the main things, him in the car with the keys. It's like, and, there's, and, and there's not even that um the typical decom dog in the house where you're like, oh, maybe the dog's going to eat this food and get sick as well. It's like, nope. There's, the dog's just going to jump around and bark while everybody's, like, yelling headache. Um, yeah, I, I was personally expecting them to just, like, forget him. <laughs> that makes sense. That had the vibe of it. You're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Um, so later, Justin is hanging with his brother and I think his brother's friend. It's his brother's friend. Um, there's a poorly thrown newspaper by one of them. And then a part of the paper goes to Justin, and this is a paper for Little League registration. And he tells Seth that he wants to play here. Um, it, this idea is brought up at dinner. And there's, a, okay, so a lot in this movie, there's these fantasy sequences. One of them is the Yoder family court, where everybody gets into judge gear and like old time, like white wigs, black robes. Um, Mom is the undefeated lawyer in the court. Um, so here in the court scene, the mom wins over the dad by saying that it's Justin's right to play, even if he's in a wheelchair. All right. So, one, my issue with this movie is that they have a narrator, and he's not introducing the characters to me. The whole first scene was the introduction of the characters. He goes no, through all of them. But, like, the scene with the friends, and, like, they're walking down the street, and at no point does he say either of those two people's names. Obviously, at no point are they going to be important yeah, the, again. Like, the friends are irrelevant. Up, they pop up one more time. But... My point is, like, give me a name. I, I didn't care enough to All right. what care about them not having a name. Man, it's, it's kind of surprising that the mom is the one defending him playing. Yeah, a little bit, but it's established at the beginning of the movie that the mom, no matter uh, what Justin wants to do, because, like, she's calling somebody in the first scene to get Justin um, accessibility at a place we it's not established who or what. Right. I don't know, I just feel like she's supposed to be, like, she's also supposed to be super protective as the mama of Grizzly Bear. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it just, that threw me off, that it was, like, she was, like, yeah, you should play. And it was, like, oh, that's not how they do any, any of these <laughs> movies ever. Yeah, no, I get it, I get it. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, you know. Um, so, the court ends, and then they go to the baseball field, 
where the coach won't let Justin play. Um, the mom starts arguing to the coach, but the argument ends when Justin throws up blue Slurpee all on the coach because I think, I think we're told this. He can't control sometimes his bladder or gag reflex, I think. Yeah, he's going to say that he like, he, it's established later that he throws up. Yeah, it was confusing here. Uh-huh. When he's at a doctor's appointment, they're like, he, he's like, yeah, I threw up this many times this week. Um, I, the throw-up scene is just kind of like weirdly in there, and it doesn't really make sense until later on they establish that he throws <laughs> up randomly a lot. But hmm. I digress. Um, do you recognize this baseball coach? No. No, because you haven't seen him before. But his <laughs> name is Tom Nolan. And I only bring this up because he is Christopher Nolan's cousin. Just casually? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, like, I, looked, I looked at him on IMDb and like two of his four, like, I think three of his four most known roles were all Christopher Nolan films. And I was like, <laughs> his name's Nolan. He's in these films. He's yeah. got to be related. And apparently there is a Christopher Nolan wiki. There's do wikis I, for everything. Do with that info uh, <laughs> whenever you want. Uh, and he is Christopher Nolan's cousin. And he's getting thrown up on here. He's getting thrown up on it. <laughs> thrown up on it. Uh, my, my thing about this uh, throw-up scene is Justin chugs that blue icy. There, even if he has this medical thing where he throws up, probably shouldn't be just slurping down on a blue, blue icy that fast. Yeah, I think that could cause anybody to throw up pretty quickly, honestly. Yeah, especially when, like, you're trying to get on a baseball team. You you sit in there just going, just chugging down on one. Probably not your best move. Mm-hmm. Not going to make him slower. <laughs> on the ride home, though, on the ride home, Seth says that he doesn't want Justin at the games anymore uh, because Justin's ruining everything. He wants to live a normal life, I guess. I was hoping you understood the scene because I did not doesn't matter justin shows up at a game later yeah no he's like i want justin at my games because he's the reason dad's not there and it's like (laughs) all right uh i I don't understand it but it allows for more of his hijinks to ensue because he doesn't have to be at the games (laughs) and and that's what we love we love hijinks in our decoms uh justin then has a dream with bobby wade the race car driver um where he tells Justin that he's not cut out for baseball, but he should try, try, try again. And this leads to Justin deciding to play chess. Uh, And he tells Seth that he's going to bring home a big trophy. He's going to bring home a big trophy from chess. Uh, Good for him. Chess is something you definitely perfect in three days, right? I think he probably can, but I don't imagine he spent the right amount of time on those three days. (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah. If you do like seventy-two straight hours of chess, I think you're golden. I think your brain would kind of explode, though. But to beat like seven-year-olds at chess, which is what he's going to attempt to do, <laughs> golden. I don't know. There's some smart seven-year-olds. Yeah, but how many of them have played chess for seventy-two hours straight before? Good point. Um, I'd say at least one, but what are the odds that he runs into that guy? It's decom, so very high. Fair point. Yeah. Um, so Justin is taking, taken to this chess competition, um, where of course the mom asks, uh, you sure you don't want me to stay? And then Justin goes, mom, I'm 12. 
I don't need you to stay. But uh, the lady at the check-in desk or whatever puts him into the younger age bracket. Justin goes along with this. But um, he still gets beaten in chest by this younger kid that he calls an embryo. Uh, so Justin leaves this chess competition, and he passes by a trophy, and he asks about the trophy. He's told it's for a car competition, and this is where we really get to meet uh, old man Vic. He, we kind of meet him earlier, but it's in one of these typical uh, neighbor who hates your kids kind of scene, who hates kids in the town kind of scene where he drives by, and he's like, you kids get off my lawn even though I'm driving. Well, there is a basketball rolling towards his... Uh... Tow truck. Oh. I think it actually even hits the tow truck. It, it lightly bounces off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we, we met Old Man Vic earlier, but we kind of, we talked to him more here. So Justin uh, is told that the vote for the best car in this competition is by donation. And even though Vic has the best car, Vic usually scares people off. So this gives Justin the idea to use his wheelchair as a uh, ploy and his wheelchair charm and he takes the donation box box from Vic, and he helps Vic win the car competition. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to say. I don't have any jokes. <laughs> there are no jokes in this movie. Uh, my my thing is is uh, Justin sees I think Seth's doctor at this car competition, and he's like, because there's this thing where after Seth says that he doesn't want Justin at his games anymore, Seth is going to a lot of doctor's appointments. So he asked the doctor here about, like, oh, aren't you supposed to see Seth now? Right. I do have something to say. Well, I, well, I want to say there's no chance I would recognize a doctor outside of the office. And I've been going to the same one for 21 years. Okay, well, then you're not nice. You're not a good person. You see him once a year. This kid's in a wheelchair. He sees his doctor more than once a year, Ethan. I didn't think about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you have to say? You recognize his doctor? No, I. You gotta stop asking me that. I know one person later in this movie, and you know who probably. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it's Arlene from Horse Sense. Arlene. Oh, oh, I I do remember her actually. Can I be honest? Be honest. I miss Horse Sense. Horse Sense was a good one. It's a good one. It was so solid. <laughs> I think like unsuspected. Time. Yeah, I miss it. All right. But this one's good too, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's why we're kind of just vibing with it. Um, so Justin helps Vic win this competition, and uh, Justin convinces Vic that for helping out in this competition, Justin will get the trophy to show off the Seth. And Vic says here that it will take a week for it to get engraved. So Justin stalks Vic from his window with binoculars, checking to see if this big trophy has arrived in this normal size mailbox. He's also charting. Uh, he made a little chart to like, oh, it didn't come this day. Okay, that's not this day. Just get a calendar. <laughs> come on, it's a cute little chart where he gets he to X out stuff every day. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. It's like, uh, uh, someone get him a chart for when, you know, we need like a prop chart so that he, you know, he crosses it out when it doesn't come each day so that the viewer knows that he is waiting. Calendar? Can we just use like a wall calendar? No. Charts. Draw it out. Hand draw this baby. Piece of paper. Ruler. Marker. Draw it. Draw it. It's a good chart. It's a good chart. It's a fun chart. If, if calendars weren't invented, it'd be the best. 
So while he's stalking Vic, uh, he sees Seth and his dad go for another doctor appointment. Um, this confuses Justin because of how often Seth is going and the whole doctor thing before. So he decides to do some detective work and he finds the number to the doctor's office in his parents' drawer. I also want to bring up here that he also finds some strawberry-scented massage oil in his parents' nightstand drawer. And uh, it comes up later, too, so I, I'd like to bring that up now. Um, <laughs> that's all I'll say for now. Um, so he finds the number to the doctor's like office. Uh, it, it's, it looked like stuff you put in a snow cone machine. I was going more hand sanitizer, I think. It was very colorful. It was bright. It was a bright, bright strawberry color. <laughs> you guys know the one. <laughs> um, so he calls the doctor's office, and then we see Justin at the doctor, and we go back home where old man Vic drives by with a box. Seth is the only one at the house because Justin's at the doctor, so Vic is like, Ugh, and just drives away without dropping off the trophy. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't even like, Ugh. he like picked it up and started going and went, nah, and put he it went, back he down. He went to hand it to Seth and went, eh, never mind. Nah, I don't want to trouble him. Yeah, yeah. Too much of a hassle. So Justin comes back home and Seth tells him about, oh. Justin passes. They pass each other. Yeah, yeah. And then Seth, Justin asks Seth about the whole, like, Vic being there and everything. And he's asked about the box. So this leads um, Justin to roll over to Vic's house. Nobody answers because there's some stairs to get up to the front of his house. He chucks some stuff in it. Nobody answers. So he goes out back into the garage where he sees um, a Bobby Wade poster and then a box with what he thinks is the trophy because it has like a sticker that says like metal on it. So it's obviously a trophy in a garage. Um, so he has this great plan where he decides to use a broomstick to try to shimmy this trophy box off. But instead, he knocks over the entire shelf. Uh, stuff hits the car. The car lift goes up. Car rolls off, crashes into a bunch of stuff. And um, then um, we go to the Yodel family court. Yodel right. family oh, court. Slow down. Slow down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Slow down. It's all part of this one scene. That's the only... But the family court, it's the next scene. Okay. 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 I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll slow down. <laughs> uh, we have to talk about this scene because it's... Ridiculous, because you think, first off, how he doesn't realize that um, Justin is in the minivan that drives past him. Uh, and also, why does the minivan have tinted windows? Regardless, if this is like, this is a classic, like, alright, so he's driving across the street, and like, whatever, he says something as he's going across the street, where I thought he was going to get hit by a car. Oh, oh, yes, he's like, um... Said something about it being a public road and everything. He's like, I have the right to roll here or something like that. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh some, my God. Yeah. You're like, and then he picks up the rocks and he starts throwing them at the house. And you're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. It's going to break it. Yeah. It's going to break the window. And then it's like, no, oh, no, no, no. He's good. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, and then he goes around back and you're like, and you're like, oh no, what's going to happen here? And then he just goes, what? Like, he just goes, the. He knocks it up to like a twelve, and is just gonna knock over the entire shelf. And somehow, at no point does he run into the elderly man, you know, who's probably a bit slower. Is carrying in a box, is you know, is there's no way they shouldn't run into each other. <laughs> and 
Yeah, and then he trashes the car. It doesn't look that bad until two scenes later where it looks absolutely destroyed. I like how that was your issue with the scene, where my issue lies with uh, Justin thinking that he can use a broomstick to get this box that has a fragile sticker on down. Like, what is his plan if he uses his broomstick and he does knock the box off? That trophy's breaking as soon as it falls. Yeah, I mean, um... Also, just like, like, yeah, like, why does he want it just to crash down? Like, there's no, why doesn't he just knock on the door? There's, there's no way of him successfully getting the box down with the trophy in one piece without hitting anything. Right. Just a wild idea. Wouldn't be a decom without some minor destruction. It's the classic hijinks, you know him. You love him. Uh, so after that scene, we go to back to the Yoder family court. And Justin is sentenced to torture in a dungeon. And by that, he means working for Vic until the damages are paid off or met. I don't know. One of those things. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Vic is very, like, calm yeah, about yeah. it. You really think, like, this is going to be your classic annoying. I think we we kind of get that thing in under wraps where it's, like, that neighbor that nobody talks to has the history of, like, hating kids and stuff, and you're like, oh, we're going to get another one of those characters. But Vic is just, he's a chill man, really. Well, he's kind of what you expect out of the underwraps guy. But, like, like the underwraps guy is just like, oh, man, he's angry. But I think he'll end up being good. And then it's like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. <laughs> Bad guy. And then Vic is just like, oh, he's too nice? Yeah, like, usually these characters, they get, changed these angry neighbors get changed by the kid at the end of the movie but in this one he justin changes him a little bit but he always had this niceness and calmness about him from the beginning yeah yeah he's just, it's like as soon as like the first time like their first two interactions are just like oh he seems like a good guy yeah just doesn't talk to anybody that's all yeah. um my favorite things about this court scene here is uh, I got two things. One is the paintings of the mom and dad that are in that like judicial style, right. just up on their wall. And then my other one is the jury that consists of six moms and six dads. The jury is actually the jury is very funny. <laughs> and then Justin's like, it's supposed to be in front of my friend, my my peers, not my parents. This is like this 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 like narration and like. Uh, in his head skits is a very Malcolm in the Middle thing to do. And it throws you off this entire movie. Cause like, <laughs> I, I really... Because, <laughs> no. like, none of his family seems that crazy. Like, his, par his parents aren't screaming at him. <laughs> his dad's not a complete idiot. And his name is Justin, not Malcolm. No, I I love these fantasy scenes because it the it goes away from that typical decom thing of you have to have these boring conversations of the kid getting in trouble because he did something he wasn't supposed to, and it's just a lot more entertaining. I'll say that. Oh yeah, it does one of my favorite things in a decom ever, which is skip the confrontation between him and Vic about him destroying the car. Yeah. Like, I don't have to see that awkward conversation that I probably wouldn't have been able to get through on my own. <laughs> you know? But, like, so it's, I like that they skip it and then they just go to this courtroom skit. It's good. Yeah. No, it's solid. Refreshing and different. Yeah, especially after 
what is this, 17 straight, 16? This is, this is number 17. I ask this question every podcast. I'll right. never get it right. Yeah. You're always one-off, so it's impressive, actually. <laughs> um, so in the next scene, the mom and dad here, they have a nice conversation about their lives and how they treat Justin. Um, and then later, we see Justin finishing up his day at Vic's, where he asked Vic if he wants the shed cleaned. Um, but Vic doesn't want him going in there. Uh, this bugs Justin as he tries to go to sleep. So he has another conversation with God here, where he asks God um, about what his plan is for making him work for Vic, because God has a plan for everything. And then God just offers him a marshmallow. Burnt. Burnt marshmallows should taste better than they do. Uh, I'm not a burnt marshmallow. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Who is? There's a couple people, like, you know, those crazy people, like, at the, at, like, a small, uh, nope, that's not a sentence. You know those, like, people when you have, like, a bonfire or just, like, a fire pit, and they're like, I'm burning my marshmallow. You're like, dude, you're, just eat the marshmallow plain. Toast it. Come on. Well, it's like, it's something to the effect of, like, burnt is a flavor. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, like, it should taste better burnt than it does taste, you know? I guess. I don't, I don't really know. I, I take the burnt part off when I accidentally burn my marshmallows, but... Right, because you don't like to live. Wow. I like to live. Oh, okay. Then never mind. I took the back. Sorry. Cool, thanks. Right. Uh, <laughs> so we go back to Vic's the next day, and Vic and Justin here have a conversation about how Vic thought Justin would be full of excuses, but instead is a good worker. They talk about Justin's condition a little bit, and then Vic says that he has to run some errands. Um, my issue with this is Vic comes out to start this conversation with a plate of cookies and milk, and before that, he's like, it's a hot day out. I thought you would like something refreshing. Milk? Yeah. If, if, if I was working on a hot day outside and somebody offered me a glass of milk, I love milk. I'm a milk drinker. Good for the bones, good for everything. I, I'd be very angry. What do you mean? You cold milk on a hot day? Probably wouldn't sit well in your stomach. You're a coward. Yeah? Yeah. You drink the milk. What? Nothing sits well in his stomach. Let the kid in the wheelchair live a little. Just give him a glass so... of water. Yeah, but that's not... He brought out the cookies. You bring him water and cookies? What? He... Also, he brings out stale cookies and he's got to dip them in the milk, Ethan. What's he going to do? Dip them in the water? Soggy cookies? Maybe. The milk is there to support the cookies. Okay. Okay. We'll move on. They're stale cookies. No, I, I love cookies and milk. Just never mind. We'll move, we'll move on. Um, so Vic goes to run some errands. And of course... Classic decom. When Vic leaves, Justin heads into the shed that he wasn't supposed to head into. They also they also have like a a, a nice conversation where they talk about like what's going on with just like why I Justin, said that yeah what no you didn't oh my goodness we had this conversation last week where it happened no I said they before talk about just af- before or after the cookies uh during the cookies they talk about I said they talk about no, Justin's before condition before after our conversation about the cookies and the milk before. You were proven wrong when you edited last week's episode. I don't believe you. You'll be but proven I also, wrong. I also don't remember last week's episode. Um, my thing is, like, do you think the parents don't want him unsupervised, really? I don't know if they think Vic's leaving him unsupervised. Well, there's, like, there's, there's that, but there's also, like... It, you would think they'd be like, oh, okay, Vic, yeah, he, he can say he'll, he'll, you know, he'll work off his debt, um... But also, 
you know, if he's got a headache, you know, he's got to be taken to the hospital. But then he's like, you know, like, it just feels like that information would be conveyed to the point that at no point is he alone in a shed <laughs> with a headache. But we are doing a movie. We are. It is, it is a movie. It is a decom. No, but you're, I mean, you're right. Um, especially with, we get to see Vic's nice side, but the reputations he's built in the neighborhood wouldn't want my kid who has a lot of issues to be supervised by him, probably. Right, right. Like, the brother and his friends joke about, uh, like, oh, Vic just hides, is just a murderer. <laughs> like, straight up, that's what they there's, say. Yeah, there's, like, nothing, like, there's no joke in it. Like, once again, there is no jokes in this movie. <laughs> and, then, and then Justin, even, um, I think when he's, before he talks to God in the last scene, he's like, do you think he just has a bunch of bodies in that shed? Right, yeah, he says that to Seth, and Seth's just like, oh. No, okay. <laughs> um, so in this shed, he finds a bunch of racing trophies, um, including ones about soapbox racing. And then he also sees pictures of Vic and his wife here and his daughter. Uh-huh. Um, and then that, he turns on a slideshow. He turns on the perfectly placed projector with the screen already up, and he watches some of the video of his daughter and his wife. Uh, however, while this is happening, Vic has already arrived back home. He probably forgot something. Uh, and he yells at Justin to get off his property. So, oh, do you have something to say? No. Uh, so at dinner, Justin suggests that everybody tell each other about the day, the highs and the lows of the day. You know the classic thing. I love them. Um, here, he doesn't care about what anybody else has to say. He blurts out that he wants to raise soapboxes, and his parents just say, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, Vic can teach you. That's a great, great idea. Yeah, yeah. He brings up, he's like, yeah, Vic, Vic did it. And they're like, okay, Vic can teach you. And he's like, well, I don't know. And they're like, yeah, no, he can teach you. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing about this scene is here is where they call back to the um, the strawberry massage oil joke. Uh-huh. I forget the joke. Well, they was... just, the dad just goes, oh, I'm in the mood for some strawberries. And then, like, the mom laughs, and then Seth turns to Justin and goes, why would they keep strawberries in their room? And then, just... and then Justin goes, it's a little, it's, he goes, like, it's more complicated than it seems. But I don't you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. No, it was just a shock to me that they even, like, you're like, oh, they make a quick joke about it back then. But no, they bring it up once more. Something, something funny. Nice joke. Joke, nice joke. First joke of the movie. <laughs> Uh, so at nighttime, Justin and Seth have a conversation about Seth uh, always getting stomach aches because he has pressure from a bunch of things in his life. The next day, Justin takes some cookies over to Vic's, and he apologizes about what happened. And uh, Justin asks if Vic can help him with get into soapbox racing, and he gets an I'll think about it from Vic. Um, and this is especially after Justin says this, this might be his only chance that he has to be good at something. It's a great move, Brandon the Cookies. Oh, yeah, because nice callback to the stale cookies from before. Mm-hmm. Also, who doesn't love good cookies in a, ni- in a nice, like, tin? Sure. Presentation matters, dude. Have you watched Chop before? No. Have you watched any cooking show? Uh, what's the one with the children? Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Um, Just start rapid it, fire, rapid fire. Uh, I was gonna go Chop Junior. Um, Cutthroat Kitchen had a Junior version. I'm trying to think of the one with Gordon Ramsay. That's 
It's not Hell's Kitchen. Master uh, Chef Junior. Master Chef Junior. That's the one you're probably. Well, what's of. What's the one with the dessert? I mean, they all make dessert at some point. I don't know. Okay, so it's the one with the dessert, <laughs> and then the kids are crying that his uh that his like souffle is gonna burn. That's Master Chef Junior, I believe. Okay, I'm glad that you know exactly the one I'm referring to. <laughs> I know, I know that I know the exact clip you're talking about. He's whisking really fast as he cries at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I know the one, yeah. All right, yeah, so yes, I have seen a cooking show. Yeah, um, but presentation is a third of it, and a nice tin elevates it. Also gives reason to Vic to come back later, but presentation is no, what I'm talking he's about. Yeah, come back, yep, no, that's it. <laughs> so, the next scene, we then see Vic, Justin, the dad, and Seth at a soapbox practice run. Uh, Seth makes fun of it here for not really being a sport, and that it's all about gravity, and that the person on the soapbox poster should be uh, Sir Isaac Noon. Um, and then Vic explains the intricacies of how soapbox racing works, how you can get advantages, uh, because of your weight and your car and everything. It's actually kind of cool. I feel like I actually learned something about soapbox racing here in this scene. Were you ever, uh, were you ever a Cub Scout? No, absolutely not. All right, don't say no, absolutely not. You look (laughs) like a Cub Scout still, so don't be like, no, I wasn't a Cub Scout. Uh, it makes sense with what I do in like in like life as a job. People are like, "Oh, you were a Cub like Scout." That. Not even like that. Like you look like a dweeb. You were a dweeb, and Cub Scouts are dweebs. Wow, you just offended our Cub Scout listeners. That's fine. <laughs> um, well, uh, in Cub Scouts you raced little tiny soapbox soapboxes, and they were like they were made out of pieces of wood, and you like could. You sanded them down and you raced them down a hill. I actually did that in uh, high school, in the woodshop class. Not a Cub Scout. In Cub Scout class, you did that. Whatever you say. All right, Cub Scout. <laughs> um, uh, after that, Justin talks to a racer uh, who has a tip of not being matched up against her. We'll see her later. I'm not going to talk about her now. Are you want me to talk about her now or later? Do you want to talk? Well, it's I'll talk about her later. That makes later. sense. Later. Because it's a one-line conversation here. She says, like, she never doesn't have one line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, we'll talk about her character later along with her dad. Okay. It's, it's very interesting. Um, Justin and Vic then have a little conversation at the bottom of the hill where Vic's like, I've done my part of the deal. I'm over this. And then, but Justin's like, can you help me um, continue with this? And then Vic says no. Justin pesters him about uh, helping him continue and then about his daughter, and this makes Vic very angry and leaves. Yeah, no, he just he just dips. He, he like, tells the dad, he's like, I'll walk him down to the bottom of the hill to the finish line. And then he's like, all right, well, see you later. <laughs> Justin should have stopped prying about information. Even before that, he was just going to leave him at the finish line anyway. Well, my, my favorite part about that is before that, uh, the three guys are walking around, and Justin at one point just decides to roll away from the group and talk to the girl. Nobody notices that he's gone because he just comes back later behind, and the dad's just like, "Oh, you're here," and he pats him on the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, as long as he like oils up his wheels, they don't squeak, <laughs> so no one really knows where he goes. Also, yeah. um, before I completely forget about it, Malcolm's best friend in Malcolm in the Middle is. A uh, boy named Stevie who rides around in a wheelchair. Pretty cool. Which is also just misleading. <laughs> yeah, concept. you must have been. Re- 
Yeah, this is really confused. I was. Was it just like the Malcolm in the Middle movie, but in like an alternate universe? Yeah, but just like with like a nicer family and like two <laughs> episodes into the move into the show's run. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Thanks. No. Uh, so we then cut to Justin and his dad. They're starting to build a soapbox car that we see Vic watching and crying to the video clips of his wife and daughter that Justin saw earlier. We see Justin and his dad building the car some more. And then um, Vic comes over to return the cookie tin and Vic ends, he's like, I'm not going to stay. And then he ends up helping because he sees that the car isn't square to begin with. Have we done the montage yet? Um, I think that was part of the montage. They like show the steps of them building the car in the montage and neither step like, none of the steps shown logically lead to the next step that they show. It's it's always a big jump. Yeah. it's like, And it's not in order either. No. And you, like, you look at it and you're like, okay. And then they show another thing. And you're like, that, how did that come from that? I was also very confused because they build the top half of the car first. But when the actual scene starts and the montage ends, they start building the bottom part of the car. But I didn't notice that at first. I'm like, are we just back at square one? But then That's you kind of then That's you kind of look on the wall yeah. and you see the car hanging there, the top half of it. Yeah, it was just like, did they give up? <laughs> I think it's new car. New they really should have started over after oh. what happens like next. Right. Um. So we see Steph come home at this point. Steph walks inside, and then he and his mom here have a conversation about Seth being jealous that his dad can now post actually postpone his painting jobs to help out uh, Justin here. And the mom says that it's Justin's time to shine. Uh, that's really all that happens there. But one little detail that I thought that was pretty cool was in Seth and Justin's room, there is a poster on the wall of Vikings Randy Moss. And in this scene, Seth is wearing a purple shirt with a uh, yellow stripes on the shoulders, like a Vikings jersey. And I thought that was pretty cool because it wasn't, they can't, of course, use a Vikings jersey, but it was a little thing I caught. I did not notice any of that. It's something I don't usually notice, but I thought just thought that was kind Yeah, of cool. yeah, I, you never notice things, so it's interesting to see you notice things. Well, because I always like to look at the posters these decoms throw up on the wall, because yeah. uh, we saw in an Up, Up, and Away, the one where you couldn't really tell you had to Google and find the exact poster. It uh, was, well, once, no, I didn't have to Google and find the exact poster. I looked at the poster and I went, oh, that's Gary Payton. And then I Googled <laughs> and found the exact poster. Oh, uh, never mind then. Uh, but this one, you can just see Randy Moss's name, so it made it easier for me. There was also a uh, Flyers poster on his wall, which is a weird team combination to like. They're from, oh, where do they say they're from? Are they from, like, uh, Illinois? Indiana? Goshen, they're like from Goshen, Indiana, or Illinois, or it's Iowa. an I state. It's oh, it's it's one of the three I country states. Is Indiana a country state? The parts of it probably. They're not in the country. They're in a suburban no, neighborhood. Are they north of like Pennsylvania? <laughs> not, not north or. Don't ask not, me geography questions, man. I barely would know where New Jersey is. I'm sorry. Um, under New York's butt. That's rude. We don't resort to butt jokes on this podcast. But why not? <laughs> so after Seth and the mom have the conversation, Seth and his dad, they have a talk about making sure that dad's going to come to the game 
uh, and the dad says that he'll be here, even though he's very distracted on trying to figure out a break that works for Justin, because of course Justin can't use his legs to uh, use the actual break. So th- he's trying to figure out a way for Justin to break. I mean, before the scene even started, we knew the dad wasn't making it to that baseball game. Oh no, no, he is. He's got his head on the desk in the papers. There was no chance that he was showing up to the game. No chance. And then I was even shocked because uh, he'll, he gets into the van to go into the game, and then he'll see the emergency brake, and that's where he gets the idea for the handbrake. But that's, just, that's farther than I thought he would get. He sees the handbrake and then goes, oh, I should make a handbrake. And instead of putting that in his mind for later, he does it now. I mean, it's hilarious that he goes like, he's like, all right, well, Justin can't break with his feet, so I got to get him to break with something else. What other body part could one we use? Other th- <laughs> one other thing can he break with? A butt break? Is a mouth break? Mouth break? Did he just yell like a, like a clap on right whenever he wants <laughs> it to break? What do I do? And then he gets, he finally, he gives up apparently. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're supposed to believe. <laughs> She gets, he gives up, gets in the van, and then goes, this is it. And then builds the whole thing with uh, Vic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you knew from square one. He wasn't, oh, wasn't good. There no, no chance in hell he was going to that game. Uh, Seth at the game, he looks so into the stands, sees that his dad's not there. Uh, Justin's already back at the games. So that whole thing has stopped uh, from earlier. Maybe when she starts going to the doctor, they're like, uh, yeah, let your brother go to the game. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the dad builds the break with Vic. Uh, and then he notices the time again. He's like, I got to get to the game. But it's way too late, of course. Uh, he drives to the field. The lights turn off. Dad gets back home. And the mom says that Steph picks pitched a no-hitter. And I'm running out of things to tell him. Excuses, basically of why you won't show up. I didn't realize he pitched the no-hitter. Good for him. Yeah, the mom just says, he pitched a no-hitter. You missed it, dummy. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, I could do it, though. Oh, could you? Yeah, yeah. You're playing against 14-year-olds this time? Uh, No, I'm doing the good old Justin trick where I say I'm in the lower age bracket, so 10-year-olds. Oh, okay. So you're going... You're sticking with the middle school, same place you were going to play basketball. Yeah, that's a side thing, but... uh, Was that on the pod? That wasn't on the pod, but you could see me tearing up the middle school basketball league coming soon to a gym near you. Right. Ethan said he could beat middle schoolers in basketball. In other news, uh, water's wet. Oh, thank you for believing in me. It's not really believing. Anyway, Dad goes to talk to Seth, uh, where he admits here that... Uh, he talks about being a dad and everything. And then he says that if he couldn't cheer for both of his kids, he would cheer for none of them. And then Seth once says again that it's all because of Justin that the dad won't come to the games, and he storms out. Yeah, um, make it to one game. Just one. Just one. Learn about a handbrake earlier earlier on in your day. Or you could think about it on the drive over. Then come back, maybe stay up a little later to to work on the handbrake instead of missing the game. Well, I just like how he gave up, you know? <laughs> he gave up and then was like, oh, a handbrake. Oh. Oh. 
I'm glad he had his emergency brake on in his driveway that is not steep at all. Uh, I was going to say, I do that, but my driveway is... Um, you live on a mountain. <laughs> I live on a mountain. My driveway is just a 45 degree angle. Yeah, no, that's not where they live. Um, I, I missed this when Seth was talking to his mom earlier. Um, for a family that's very busy all the time, the mom bakes an excessive amount. Oh, and it's, so much. And it's not even like the first scene where she's up early, like baking cookies. In this scene, she's baking bread, which you don't need to bake. You can buy some bread at the store. No, you need bread to bake it. You, you got to bake bread out of dough. No, no, don't eat it, though. It'll make you ill. There ain't no flour in a $100 bill. That's from the 2011 Muppets movie. Anyway. Anyway, the next day. <laughs> next day, Justin goes with his parents and Vic for a test run of the newly built soapbox. But Justin here, he has trouble steering and he crashes his soapbox. Uh, after the crash, and we see that uh, uh, Justin is okay, even though he was folded over in, that, in the soapbox and it looked like he died. Um, we learn that the harnessing wires were crossed, which makes the wheel turn the opposite way that it's supposed to. So if you're going to turn right, the car will turn left and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but this leads to Justin blaming Seth that he was the one who switched the harnessing wires because Seth was in the garage, uh, the past night. That's where the dad had the conversation with Seth and they get into a huge argument where the big points are that, Justin outs Seth as going to see a shrink. In front uh, of his friends. In front of his friends. Even, although it's good that uh, we have our first char male character to seek out therapy for trauma in his life. Right. Uh, it's a staple here in the DCOM universe of needing therapy, and we finally have one that goes after that. Although it gets I made guess, fun of it. I guess uh, Lucky from You Lucky Dogs Do, out there. I told you we reached our Kirk Cameron account. Do not bring that back up. <laughs> and then Seth says here that he wishes that Justin was dead because the family can't do anything normal because of him. That's that argument. Yeah. Just heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but Seth says he wishes Justin was dead. I just said that. Okay, fine. <laughs> I love when you go. I saw say something, and then you're like, "Yo, you missed this part." And it wasn't you repeat even something no, I it said. It wasn't even. It wasn't. I didn't think you missed it. I wasn't sure if you mentioned it. I mean, it's important to mention twice. It's just well, straight it's just, up. I wish you, you died. You didn't end on that part. Is my yes, problem. I did. No, you didn't. Oh, I didn't. You're right. Okay. Either way, so it threw me off. So I was like, "Boy." Definitely would have. Like, I remembered the end of your sentence. <laughs> Doesn't listen to me. I would have. Tony, I wish you were better listener. I'd appreciate it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Either way, Justin then goes to talk to who other than God again. But God's not there because he's busy. We then go to Justin's first race where, in a voiceover, he admits that his dad crossed the wires and his relationship with Steph is kind of uh, messed up now. And um, he races. His first race, and this time he actually makes it to the finish line, even though he's really scared about that. We then get a montage of Justin racing, Seth being angry with all the attention Justin is getting, even though he's coming into second place a bunch. And then Justin wins his first race. All right, we got to talk about this montage. Okay, talk about it. Um, did you have the captions on, captions on while you watched this movie? Yes, I did. Did you notice how 
the song being played in no way matched up with the captions on the screen. I did not notice. <laughs> not even like, okay, they're a little, it, like the captions were singing one song and the voices were singing another. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, I honestly expected you to come onto this podcast with information about the band that sang the song. There, there were a couple times where I'm like, this song kind of sounds interesting, but uh, I guess I reached my quota for a couple weeks because we had Smart House and then we had Rip Girls. I'm like, going to have to wait a couple more movies till I talk about music again. I guess I missed my quota of doing work for a few weeks. We, until Bewitched returns to the DCOM universe, I'm not talking about it. Are you telling me they do? I have no clue. We'll see. How are you going to seek him out? You know what? I don't want to know. I'm going to call him up. We're going to get him on the pod. Bewitched. All right. Uh, so after the montage, we already are at the last race of the season here where Justin still doesn't have a trophy, but apparently if he wins this race, he'll qualify for nationals. This doesn't make sense to me at all. We see Well, how does it Justin- work on Glee? What? Well, how does nationals work on Glee? How, does it, how oh, do they get yeah. there? Lay it out. Got it. You had to win, is it regionals first? I don't And then sectionals, and then the nationals. It's, there's two more before. They don't make it to nationals the first time, but and they make it have, in season two. And then you have semi-sectionals and regional semis. and. Sem- well, well, then you got the ones where they have like little competitions with other schools. And the regional nationals. And then you yeah, have but it- Christmas, uh, <laughs> Christmas uh, pageant performance. And then there's the bus crash, and then they have to replace the glee club with the band members, with the with the community college members. And then the second at, at the first nationals they go to, they do that big kiss, and it ruins their entire set. Either way, Justin shouldn't qualify for nationals. Is what I'm trying to say, the amount of times he comes in like second place in these races is absurd. <laughs> Does he come in second place? I assume he was just banking in all the first places. Well, he doesn't win any of the races, but I there's probably some like standings that I'm missing, like compared to the other people, like your time, I guess. I guess so. I think there's some technicalities at work, but also, um, he does have a secret competitive advantage. Does he? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, no, I, I thought about it. Can't think about it. I don't know. Um. Either way, um, the dad and the mom then have a conversation about how the dad, he's been really involved in this. He's enjoying it a lot. And the mom's like, you need to lower your expectations for Justin. He's a, this is his first time in a big race. You, you need to calm down a little bit. So the dad agrees to that. And then on the day of the race, Justin has a, one of his big headaches, but he still decides to go along with the race. Uh, the race starts, but as it goes on, his headache gets worse. And he crashes really, really badly. He's folded over again in his little car, and he's taken to the hospital. It shouldn't be funny, but the scene was funny. It's funny, and the thing is, I, I so I looked up the rules of like soapbox races and everything, uh-huh. and I and I couldn't find any rules about like staying in your lane or anything. The only rule I could find in regards to like another person is. You're not allowed to interfere with the other car, which I don't, I, technically, I don't think Justin did here. So by default, Justin wins this race. 
Right. I don't. Yeah. I don't see how he doesn't win. Because he he just speeds down. There's no stopping him. Yeah, and, and he crosses the finish line first. But also, um, it was funny. Didn't they replace him with him with a dummy at one point? Oh, he kind of just like flo- <laughs> He kind of just like he's very clearly not him. Because <laughs> he goes all jelly bone. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. It yeah, uh, yeah. He just starts like flying all over the place, and um, so we go to the hospital, and at the hospital, we learn that Justin is fine, but his uh, shunt. So that I looked it up. It's a mechanical thing in the head to help with like the passage of fluid throughout it. Um, that's the only thing that uh really happened. It had to be replaced. Um, but the doctor is confused at how Justin ignored all the signs of his shunt malfunctioning. Uh, so after that, Justin wakes up and he sees Bobby. He sees Bobby Wade here. He thinks he's dead. He's like this. He narrates it. He's like, "I bit the bullet. It's all over." But um, Vic actually called him up because Vic used to actually work on Bobby's race car. Uh, here, Bobby asks for some tips, and um, Justin tells him to, I think. Grip gotta, the steering he's wheel. Loosen the grip on the steering wheel. You gotta grip holding the steering wheel like you're holding your best friend's hand. Yeah, like you're holding your best friend's hand. And then Bobby Wade picks up the um bedpan and is holding it. And he's like, What's this? And he's like, Yeah, exactly. He's like, Great, thanks. I need I you know, I needed that information. And then he leaves with the bedpan. Um uh, but yeah. It's interesting that um, Bobby Wade gets to go in and see him, but no one else got to. <laughs> like, yeah, because like after the scene is the one with the parents, but Bobby right. Wade comes first. Yeah, he 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 sees Bobby Wade in his at the foot of his bed before he ever sees his parents. He goes into a twenty. He goes into his twenty fifth surgery of his twelve year life, and between getting admitted and coming out of that surgery. He doesn't see his parents until he comes out of the surgery. Yeah, yeah. But he sees yeah. Bobby Wade. Bobby Wade gets first grade clearance in the hospital. Who is just supposed to be Jeff Gordon. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I mean, I even, just... the, even the car that he's working on as God is, uh, looks like the Jeff Gordon uh, DuPont car. I was just enamored by his pointy, pointy sideburns. Good sideburn. Um, yeah, might take inspiration from them. Uh, <laughs> I just think it could be exciting if you had sideburn. It'd definitely be something different. Yeah. More professional. Tilt your head to the right a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could pull them off. I could definitely pull it off. Yeah. You'd have to cut them off a little bit, but I think you can do this for sure. I, I, I could do the little triangular point on the side. Like, like oh, that's the... I don't know how video works. Um... Yeah, like I, I cut I cut that part off into a triangle, a triangle, and uh, yeah, I could join a ska band, or be Great. a race car driver. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> Great stuff for our audio podcast. You know that, you know that. Um, so Bobby leaves, and we see Seth at the house. He picks up a phone call from the Soapbox Association. We don't hear this conversation now. We'll learn more about it later. Justin then talks to his parents, because who cares about them in the hospital, uh, where they come, they have a conversation where they say that if he is to race more, 
Hill will have to tell them about any headaches. That's the main gist of that conversation. Uh, my thing here is, uh, since Bobby took the bedpan, dude really pissed himself while playing video games, and I think that's just a real gamer move right there. No. The idea is that he needs the bedpan so that he can go. He didn't say he doesn't need it anymore. He said, he said call the nurse, and like, he tells his parents. <laughs> he, says, he says, yeah, because you took the bedpan, call the nurse. Because I need a bedpan. I thought, no, I don't. I, jokes can be interpreted in multiple ways. And I, they're a joke. I assumed he pissed himself. I told you there are no jokes in this movie. There are jokes in this movie, I promise. You're not in this movie. You're not either. <gasps> or who knows, maybe I am Bobby Wade. I'm toned. All right, never mind. Stop talking. Stop talking. Oh. Okay. So Justin comes home with his family. And when the parents ask Seth if there's any messages, Seth says no. But there's a message from the Soapbox Association there. And Seth tries to stop them from hearing the message. But then after that, he tells them that the kid Justin was racing against in that uh, final race had to drop out of the competition. So Justin has actually made it to nationals. And this excites everybody except Seth, who in a conversation with his dad the next scene, uh, learns that he's just really afraid of Justin dying at any point, any time he goes to the hospital. Yeah, in actuality, like, the brother is 100% right. Like, why are you guys... No, he should not be racing again. Obviously, he doesn't know that there was a whole conversation yeah. about him racing again. But also, he's right. Well, my thing is... Like, call it... this season <laughs> off. You know, you want to come back next season? Fine. But call yeah. this season <laughs> off. My thing is, could the association not really find any other racer that didn't almost die a week ago? Why is it like directly, you know, it's like that was his race? And they probably need, because they say he represents District 9 a little bit later. So they're probably, he was the winner out of District 9. So, and, and uh, Malcolm Justin is the second place, <laughs> is the second place. Of District 9, so they probably want him to represent District 9 first. Well, yeah, we're like, but it's like, okay, you have your first place person drop out. Your second place person had a near-death accident a couple days ago. But they're calling to see if he can do it. I, I guess. They're calling to see his availability about it, you know? And he was at the hospital. Yeah, but if they're like, oh, you can't do it, then they'll call someone else. But if he's like, I can do it, then that's who they go with. Okay. He signed the waivers. It's not their fault. It's the parents' fault if something happens to him again. Um, so after that conversation with Seth and his dad, um, the family gets ready to leave, and they, they ask where Vic is, and Vic arrives in his fancy car that he fixed up from earlier. Um, and another thing he said earlier is he never drives this because of things like potholes and people on their car phones should be paying attention to the road. That's it. Uh, bird poo. Bird doo-doo. He's a bird doo-doo. Bird doo-doo. <laughs> he yeah. does say bird doo-doo. <laughs> doo-doo. Doo-doo. What up? Let's go. Doo-doo counter. Woo-hoo. Bird doo-doo. 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 Don't you hate bird doo-doo on your ride? Oh, uh, yeah. Me too. I'm glad we can come to a common agreement here. Thank you. Um... So him and Justin, well, Justin gets in the car with Vic, of course, because it's a cool ride. And here they have a conversation where we learn that um, a little bit more about Vic's backstory. We learn that his daughter 
died in a swimming accident, and then his wife died a year later of what he calls a broken heart. And that's why Vic really, he kept to himself for a while. Uh, but meeting Justin and seeing what Justin goes through in his life and him pushing through, he says that that really helped him come out and everything. It's a nice scene. Also, uh, bird doo-doo. But yes, it is a nice scene. And also, bird doo-doo. I concur. <laughs> Four points. Uh, I have a question. Is this scene green screened? If it is, it's a lot better. It's Because if it is, it's done really well. And the only reason I think it might be is because we see the multiple mom and dad jury earlier. That was done really well also. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. It can also, you know, it can potentially not be, but I think now that you say it probably is, it didn't stand out. It didn't, no. Because it doesn't, it also doesn't stand out in the scene earlier on when he's in the race car with God. Oh, yeah. Even though that one's a little more compact of the, yeah. how the interior of a race car looks. Right. But still, yeah, you're right. But yeah. So if it is, it's a lot better <laughs> than yeah, what we've seen so far. Surprisingly good. Yeah. So we then go to the national race. Um, Justin, we, we meet somebody, but that's that's coming up. Uh, Justin gets his trial run in, and then we meet the one person I know from this movie, other than Frankie Munez. Uh, we meet Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine again. He's a returning. Okay, what movie was he originally in? Uh, the, the 13th year. Impressive. Uh, he, was, honestly, he was a fisherman. That's what I knew. Yeah, um, didn't expect you to get that. But wow. luckily for you, we will see Joel McKinnon Miller again in... A movie that I've brought up to you as a movie that I'm terrified to do. <laughs> because I think it'll be uh, terrible. We'll see him again in The Jenny Project. Oh, I, you've told me about The Jenny Project before. I'll forget about that, that he, will, he was in that movie uh, when we get to it. And I will once again be surprised when he shows up on screen like I was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, he shows up uh, and so does his... Are we at the point with his daughter yet? His daughter's there, yeah. His daughter's Teresa, and that's the uh, girl that Justin had a quick conversation with at the practice race. So his daughter, uh, let's talk about her real quick. Is it just a, like I went down a rabbit hole? <laughs> um, she's the daughter of a second generation uh, MLB player who also ends up being an MLB All Star, uh, Matt Keough. Oh, her name is Kara Keough. Uh, Matt Keough, he wins 16 games in a season, wins AL Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, her mother was on 68 episodes of Real Housewives of Orange County. And I was like, oh, her mother's a regular. And then I went on the IMDb, IMDb page, and there are almost 300 episodes of that show. I know there's a lot of episodes of like Real Housewives in general because you got like right. Orange County, Atlanta, Utah. I think the new one is Salt Lake. That's the I new don't one care. <laughs> I care. Um, I was told Salt Lake Real Housewives wasn't that good so far, but whatever. Continue. Uh, yeah, because they all have the same husband. <laughs> Continue. Um, she herself was on 38 episodes of Real Housewives of Orange County. She is married to Kyle Bosworth, who is the nephew of Brian Bosworth, also known as The Boz. It's just a really weird, like, family tree going on here that all leads back to The Boz. Um, we're gonna see her again. She's gonna go on to be on reality TV and 
Kyle Bosworth was on the Giants at one point. He wasn't good. But he was there, though. Yeah. So we have um, Brian Bosworth's uh, niece-in-law, <laughs> and we have Christopher Nolan's cousin. Star-studded cast. Star-studded cast. Yeah. Uh, you're right. We won't see her again. You're also not going to see her much in this movie either. But... She does this weird thing in this movie where whenever she talks, she quietly says her line from a distance, and whoever she is talking to picks it up perfectly. My favorite thing about her is whenever she is by herself, um, she talks like uh, like a meanie head, but anytime uh, her dad says something like offensive, he's like, that's wrong. Right, right. She's mean, but she's like, all right, dad, you're going too far. <laughs> okay, boomer. The dad has also played the same character in both movies, so it's interesting to see what his character is like in his third stint in no, the DCOM universe. I think you're getting the actors confused in the 13th year. He uh, wasn't the dad. He was just another no, fisherman. No. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. You're about to call me out, you're wrong. I'm not about to call you out. I was about to just think that you were wrong, and usually that's a safe assumption, so I'm sorry for that idea. Whatever. Either way. From here, I only have two more people to bring up. Two more? Yes, I told you I have ten people. My god, let's get through this then. Um, so, uh, Scully and his daughter, I'm gonna be calling him, I don't think his name is that, whatever, they take a peek. Bill Gutman. Bill Gutman. Uh, they take a peek inside of Justin's racer, which we learned from Vic earlier. You're not supposed to look at other people's racers. That's a no-no in the soapbox racing community. Uh, later that night, Justin and everybody test out the track with golf balls. Um, one weird thing about the um, this golf ball testing is these golf balls start to roll down the hill and like bounce a little bit, of course, because they're golf balls. But when they arrive at the bottom of the hill, they look like they're pelting. Justin and his dad at the bottom, and they, you hear Frankie Muniz literally like scream in terror, like when he was crashing earlier. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely obvious. Golf balls pick up steam, steam, speed. Yeah, no, I think both are right. Uh, <laughs> golf balls go fast, it's a good method. I just question why no one else is doing it right now. But yeah, that or they didn't have a plan to get out of the way when the golf balls did get at the bottom. Because I'm like, I understand you have to be at the bottom of the hill to see the, the terrain and how these balls bounce. Well, they didn't have a plan to get out of the way of their golf balls. I'm just confused as to why they are the only team dropping golf balls from the top of the course. Because they got the power of Vic, man. There's no way no one else thinks of that. I don't know. They're, they're soul-soaked box racers, not money-soaked box racers like Bill Gutman and his daughter. No, he is legitimately only in it for the prize. Yeah, I, oh, Vic? No, Justin. Bi- Justin only is racing because he wants the physical prize he gets for winning. No, th- there's, some, there's a line later when he's racing down at the hill at the end where he's like, Seth will say something, he's like, yeah, I don't care about the trophy after what Seth says, but I do have an empty space on my shelf. So I guess you're kind of right. Yeah. Either way, next day, they're in the hotel room. Justin's watching the TV with Seth. They see Bobby Wade on the TV, and Seth is like, I, he's going to use your tips, isn't he? Because Seth doesn't believe him. 
And then um, Bobby pulls the bedpan out of his race car and wishes Justin good luck in his race. Well, he says, he's like, oh, a friend gave me this advice. And he's and, and Justin goes, yeah, that was me. And <laughs> Seth goes, yeah, sure. And then he pulls out the bedpan and then no one says anything. Yeah, yeah. Just he I, goes I, quiet. <laughs> and then, and but not in like disbelief or anything, just like, goes quiet and then he's like and my friend justin has a big race today i want to wish him luck and everyone's like huh the bedpan didn't tip you off where where else is is bobby wade the race car driver going around the kids hospitals stealing bedpans that's a normal thing that nobody's surprised by (laughs) i don't know i i was between hospital and kids hospital room either way it would be weird yeah, it would be. Yeah. Uh, this is interrupted, though, by a committee person of the Soapbox Association. Um, he comes in and he says that there is a big chance that um, Justin will not be allowed to race because he has the handbrake on his uh, racer. And because of their strict rules of car building, they're probably going to vote no and not allow him to race. Do you recognize this man? I, I thought I did it first. For some reason, I thought it was Griffin from Big Time Rush because it was the old white dude. And like, it was at first glance, I think, when you arrived to the race. But this, like, when I saw a close up of him, I was like, oh, wait, never mind. I don't even know who you could be telling me you think this is. <laughs> we have seen him in DCOMs before. We have seen him in Horse Sense. He was Mr. Hawthorne, the auctioneer guy. Okay. All right. No, because see, you don't get to act like that after I bring up a guy being in a decom. After you're like, I thought it was Griffin from Big Time Rush. And then it got too close, and I was like, well, it's not Griffin. Who's Griffin? No one cares. He's, he's uh, Gustavo's boss. Shut up. <laughs> I'm talking about decom. It's a decom podcast. Slash football slash glee. Slash no, no, Ethan Sad Podcast. Yeah, you can be an Ethan Sad Podcast, but that's only because it's kind of entertaining. <laughs> he's the auctioneer in horse, in horse Sense, Holmes Osborne. He's the dad in that thing you do. We've talked about him before, and he is the ninth person on the There's still list. another one. There's another person, it, baby. It's my turn to tell you to shut up. No. Either way. Everybody is, of course, angry at this because well, it makes no sense. Oh, no, you can say something. Oh, no, no, no. You, sorry, you finish. I was just going to say everybody's rightfully angry because, it, as they'll state in the next scene, there's absolutely no advantage a handbrake gives a person. Well, so my thing is that if no one knew he had a handbrake until someone broke the unwritten rule and peeked inside of the driver's car. You could put, like, a car engine inside one of these things. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a perfect time to bring up my fun fact, then. Oh, oh there you go. dude, this is... Oh, I, I love a good transition that I completely ruined by being excited about this. Okay, 1973, there was a soapbox scandal where the 14-year-old champion was stripped of his title after they found an electromagnet in the nose of his racer and also having chemicals applied to his wheels. Do you need me to explain a little more? If you have more, please explain more. So I'm going to go off of what I remember from the Wikipedia page. Great, that should be great. At the starting 
so there's the starting gate that holds up the cars at the beginning of the race. And to gain a speed advantage, um, he, the driver activated the electromagnet by putting his head on the back of the car. So that activated the magnet. So when the car started going down and off of the starting plate, um, he could turn the magnet off. They started to notice differences in, or suspected something was up with this car because apparently as races go on, they're supposed to be faster or something like that. But because of the electromagnet, the battery started to die. So his runs started to become slower. What battery? The battery of the magnet. Okay. Because there was like wire. It's electromagnet. That's why. It's not just a... But why was the electromagnet affecting his speed? Yeah, I don't know. It's something with the, the metal of the starting gate. It, okay. gave, it gave him a speed advantage. And he... So uh, Vix explains this earlier that the that soapbox race has come down to like milliseconds basically on who finishes first. But he was finishing like 0.2 seconds ahead instead of like 0.05 seconds ahead. Okay, interesting. And then he was putting chemicals on his wheels. Yeah, that was just another side thing. Mm-hmm. Either way, he got his title stripped. Uh, good on them for shipping the title. Good on him for playing the system. Bad on the system for not noticing chemicals on the wheels. Or I magic. don't know what the- <laughs> It's interesting. Um, yeah, but, you know, I wish I didn't ask you to expand, but we kept my uh, baseball conversation in for Alley Cat Strike, so we're going to keep this one in. I was excited about that. Because I, I, I've... My favorite thing is like scandals in oh, things you, in, in things you wouldn't expect to have scandals, and so box racing is one of them. That's all. Uh-huh. I'll I'll stop talking now. Oh, it's fun. We're is literally it? we're literally watching a movie about a scandal in soapbox racing <laughs> that is inspired by a true story, and you're like, you know what? You just wouldn't expect any scandals in soapbox racing. But no, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. We're going to continue the movie so you can get to your last actor, I guess, which I don't even know who is. Either way, they go to a vote with the committee. um, And um, so just before everybody votes to ban Justin from competing because of his handbrake, Seth comes in with a bunch of members of the media because of some stupid school reasoning, whatever. He brings the media in. He didn't need and to say that, yeah. He didn't need to say that. He's like, there's education on your pamphlet, and I once took a class where I learned that media is important. But either way, he gives a great <laughs> either way, he gives a great speech about not treating his brother like a second class citizen and that it should be an equal playing field for all. And because of the media being there and putting pressure on the committee, Justin is allowed to compete. And I think this should go number one on our motivational speech ranking. This is a motivational speech? Never mind, it's not a motivational speech. It was a good speech. What does he say? It says like two sentences. And it's just like, stop discriminating against my wheelchair-bound brother. And they're like, well, we really want to. And he's like, but I have (laughs) all this media. And they're like, I got us there. (laughs) Yeah, no, good speech, whatever. Um, We can put it. No, it's not a motivational speech. You're right. I just thought it was good. It, it it felt like the only one with like real stakes, I guess. We can give we can give this the Ethan motivational moment of the movie. That's not a thing that's going to be coming back in this podcast. I'll make sure it does, and you better get one every week. Okay. Thank you. Uh, uh so 
Justin then wins his first race. There's a bunch of races they're supposed to do. He wins a bunch of other uh, races as well. Seth, so his mom, so Justin's mom has a camera a lot of this time recording everything, both Steph and Justin. Seth is now recording to show that their relationship is stronger than ever. Um, and before the final race starts, Seth tells Justin, nope, I missed something. Um, before the final race starts, Justin talks with Teresa. They give each other props about how good racers they are, but then Scully takes her away because he only cares about winning. Um, before the race starts, Seth tells Justin that he's his hero. And with those words ringing in his mind, Justin is able to win the race. And way too many people in the crowd touch Justin after the win. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> you sped through that. Okay. My, my notes are so loose at the end of this movie. Yeah. But the important part um, is the announcer of the soapbox race. I just thought it was another one of the white dudes we saw in the is, committee. Is none other... Then Tom Virtue, the king of DCOMs, <laughs> making his fourth appearance. Fourth? Fourth out of six. <laughs> I will give you $5 if you can name any of the movies that we've seen him in. Tom Virtue. I can't even tell you what he looks like. Uh, okay, I, I, have like a, I have a good chance of guessing at least one. He was in Miracle in Lane 2. Doesn't count. Damn it. Um... I'm going to say you lucky dog because it's, it's been lucky for us today. You fool. You should have guessed horse sense. Everyone that I've brought up except one guy has been in horse sense. I guess two guys. Um, he's been in under wraps. He's been in brink. He's been in horse sense and now miracle in lane two. I will give you $5 if you can name a movie that he will be in. Uh, uh, the Jenny Project. Should go with the Even Stevens movie. I don't. <laughs> we still get to see him two more times in the Even Stevens movie and read it and we can't wait for you to not recognize him despite him being in his <laughs> most known role in the Even Stevens movie. Y'all forget. Six times. I mean, he's the king right now. I don't think anyone's stopping him. He, he's the king of appearances. I wouldn't call him the king of parts. Uh, he's the king. Okay, well, you can have your own king. Okay, well, who's the king of parts, exactly? <laughs> He's been in four already. It's his... It's his that's mind. a lot. That, that's a lot. No, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Uh, so after that, we go back home. Um, there's <laughs> Seth and his dad are playing basketball outside here. <laughs> For some reason, at first glance, I thought the kid playing basketball, standing up, jumping and stuff, was Justin for some reason. <laughs> Because they were, he was wearing the, I think I the blue did shirt. Too. I kind of okay. did too. He was well. He was wearing the Justin. They all had like matching shirts that were like Justin's team, and Justin had the driver, and the mom had the coach, and the dad had the assistant coach, and Vic had the mechanic, and uh, Seth had the cameraman. So he was wearing that shirt, and for some reason, no, I he looked like uh, Justin. I'm so glad, and I was so confused at first. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, why Why is he out of the chair right now? There was no build-up to that. Oh, it's it's just Seth. Never mind. Uh, either way, Justin has one more meeting with God to end this movie off, where he thanks him for everything that he's done, and then he asks if everybody in heaven is perfect, and God's like, hey, you want to see heaven? So God takes his key, opens up the door, these big doors to heaven, and it's a bunch of people. A bunch of angels flying in wheelchairs, and that's how the movies end. Yeah, 
I mean, what? <laughs> what? I uh, if you're like, what are they saying? You gotta watch the last three. It's in the last three minutes of this movie. You have it, to watch. It's it's so unexpected. I think that's the only way to put it. Yeah. There, there's no need for this scene. Um, like we could have had Justin thanking God for everything and whatever. Sure. There was no need to show him heaven. It, the movie could have ended after the race or something. We would have been fine. There's an interesting thing to note. It's like, because it's heavily, like, it's a heavily religious movie. Like, the undertone is very religious. Yeah. Like, uh, Seth says grace at a, at a meal. Like, he's got a conversation with God. The screenwriters know uh, Justin in real life because he goes to their same uh, Mennonite church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's how they, you know... That, that makes a lot there. of sense now. <laughs> they met him there and wrote the screenplay for this movie. Um, however, that doesn't mean anyone should have allowed this scene. Yeah, I mean, like, what the whole... on earth? <laughs> because the big thing here for me is, in my head, I think that there is a non-zero chance at the end of this movie, Justin dies. Wait, what is do you he, think? Is he not... Like, God is showing him heaven. Yeah, and Justin is alive because he was watching, he was watching what them from the not- window. He wasn't okay. That is this revelation. Okay, so Justin was watching Seth and his dad play basketball, and I thought it was weird because he wasn't like outside with them, and he was just watching from the window. Is Justin dead? Uh, who knows? I will say the real Justin is still alive. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, we have that going for us. The movie, however, would not is not really going to answer that question for you. I didn't even have that question until you brought it up. Real weird. Yeah, real weird. Like, um, like I don't, I don't mind the whole God character in this movie. It's, it's a little weird at first when you're like, oh, he's talking to God. That's a little weird for a decom. But like, huh. they don't really get super religious with it, right? And it's kind of weird, you're like, it's like, all right, God's in there a lot, but Kirk Cameron's not here, so it's a little weird, but um. <laughs> But no, it's, yeah, like, it's not, it's not overheal, um, but he's, you know, it's there, and, like, you can understand it in the point of view uh, of it all, but it's also, like, because he kind of, ne- like, he needs someone, he never has anyone to talk to in this movie, and you never mm. really get his point of view from anybody. Unless it's like in a fit of rage where he's like, you know, I, I really need your help learning how to soapbox race because I don't want to just sit around in a wheelchair all my life. You know, like, mm-hmm. you don't really get that whole information, but like, it's definitely there that it's just like, this is God. But also, they, you know, they make it, they definitely uh, bring it more towards a mainstream audience um, where, uh, you know, it's still his, it's his hero. It's uh, Bobby Wade. Yeah, you know, he sees him as this guy that he looks up to, and he sees him in a. He goes and he visits him in an infield of a racetrack <laughs> while he works on a car. Mm-hmm. And they definitely, I think they do it fine. Yeah, just this last part. This last part is not good. It's unnecessary. To do. <laughs> just like in the terms of like my eyes, <laughs> not to say like. There's anything wrong with the concept <laughs> of their heaven, 
But my problem is, this is a ridiculous scene that doesn't need to be in the movie, and also people wonder if your main character is that man. I think you summed that up perfectly. Thank you. Uh, do you want to get to ranking it? If we must. I, I'm interested to see where you have this, and I think I think you should go first. I think you should go first, I think. I'm not going to fight it because uh, I never win. Uh, I, I put Miracle in lane two. I put it first on my list. I want to hear uh, where you have it, then... I'll explain why I had there. I had a fear you put it first. You had a fear? Because I thought you would put it lower and it would justify me not having to put it first. Um, I don't think it's first for me. Okay. And the highest I'll go with it is second. Okay. But I also am kind of good with it going fifth. Interesting. Okay, because my thing is, like, I looked at I looked at my list and I have a couple of, like, baseline movies where i'm like okay it's better than this let's go up from there so i in this one i started the color of friendship i'm like okay it's better than color of friendship i think it's better than up up and away i think it's better than brink i think it's better than smart house johnny tsunami was the only one where i was like maybe but i thought this one did a couple things better but yeah right and this is where i'm like is i don't think it's better than Johnny Tsunami because I think you know, because we're looking for the perfect decom, you know, that's the we're looking for the best decom what can we hoist above the rest and hand to the aliens that want to watch a decom we've yeah. gone over this and this is our thought process well it's a really good movie mm-hmm. I don't think it's a decom I, I, so I, I think it's a pretty interesting mix here because um, it's like it's you got your decom about a kid trying to overcome this like disability and bring attention to it, but it's also a decom about a kid trying to achieve something at well. And I think it, I think it does this good job of like trying to blend the two together, where him being in the wheelchair, although the story revolves around it the most, it's not the main focus of the movie. Yeah, and I think. My thing is, like, with it being based off of a true story, it kind of devalues it to me. Okay. Like, it brings it down, not as, like, the story's not good, but it's not... Someone made this Johnny Tsunami world, and they, you know, and it was, like... And they're, like, here's the adversity, here's his passion, here's him fighting the adversity by using his passion to succeed. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and, and it felt more. This is another one that just felt like didn't feel like a decom. Like it felt like a real movie, where like you know I could have seen this in theaters, no problem. And yeah, I, I thought I thought it felt like a decom. Although I I do get what you're saying about Johnny Tsunami, how like that is a decom in that sense of because uh, I'm 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 not, I'm not gonna say that movies about like decoms about racism and, and disabilities bring it down yeah. because they're, because they're a vital they're a vital part of that decom formula of informing kids of things that are new to them right when we were in color friendship we looked at it and at least i know i did it you know it went a big point of it was the message was so impactful that it that it brought itself up to a certain rank and i said the message is really good, but I don't think it's going to get past Smart House. Mm-hmm. Um, and because at some point you have to look at the quality of the movie. 
And while I don't think the quality was ever really down with this movie, I think Johnny Tsunami just did a lot more right and is going to... And, and it's it's kind of upbeat the whole way through. You know, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's the racism. But he, you know, he goes against that. And like Johnny's never really down. Whereas this is, has that underlying theme of like, you know, he's kind of got to live his life to the fullest because at any point it's in danger. I, I, I did think though this movie did a pretty good job of it not being like a downer type of movie which it could have been about this kid trying to overcome a disability it, it felt like justin as a character was a normal decom character just in a wheelchair which i guess is the point of putting that on a, in a movie right i see all that and i also look at my list and i and i go there's morally i can't rank rank ahead of a movie like this yeah yeah no so so it's you know it's one or two for me and I think it's I think it's two. I know I, I yeah I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, you're not gonna have an argument with me there. Um, I'll find something to argue with you about. Yeah. No. I mean, I like all the one thing that stood out for me is I like every single character in this movie. I think they all have their ups and downs, but I enjoy everybody. Um, I said before I liked how old man Vic wasn't this angry neighbor character the entire time and but uh, but i also liked how there was conflict of the the kids but there was also conflicts with the adults as well which also happens in johnny tsunami it's like we get a more we get a deeper movie here right right that was the thing with johnny tsunami it was so you know there was such like every character almost had a struggle throughout the movie and this only this is a really this is the only other movie that this that has kind of had that. Mm-hmm. Like they've gotten certainly better at it, but like definitely kind of there in Rip Girls. But like you don't, you know, like you don't see the outside characters. You didn't see that in those with that movie. But like you know, like Johnny Tsunami, like Sam had his had his mom, and and Xenon uh, had her had her relationship with her dad. Everyone had something in that movie, and I think everyone had something in this movie, except probably the mom. The mom was kind of involved with the dad's conflict, right? But she didn't have her own too much, I think. But they, but everybody or a lot of them had something, right? Well, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's good. Yours going yeah. one, mine's going two. Uh, top movie for sure. Um. I don't know if we have a athlete ranking here. I wouldn't say so. Yeah. As Seth said, it's all about gravity. It would be Seth. No. Oh, I'm. Well, you don't the, see him enough. He throws. Yeah, but we get the we get the uh we get the know how that he's you know he's the league player of the year in soccer and he also throws a no hitter. But we don't have to rank him. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't care enough. We can all right, well, I need you to start caring more. Whoa. Can I can I have a sidebar with you? Yeah, sure, we can talk him. Yeah. Hey Ethan, um you're making us look bad. Your no care attitude doesn't work. No one there's something people are like, man, he's cool. Dude, I'm taking like I'm taking like six pages of notes each time. I care. I put in the work. I grind. I don't know. I've gotten a lot of I've gotten a lot of comments about your microphone quality. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of them from the editor. Yeah. He's, real my, he's up my butt about it. Yeah, uh, he's mad. 
He says uh, there's a lot of microphone popping. Yeah? You know what else is popping? You know what else is popping? Finding our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Our Anchor FM link in the description. Make sure you follow us on whichever podcast site you prefer in order to never miss an episode. And also, make sure to rate us five stars, no matter how you feel about the podcast. Tell us how you feel. Let us know. We like to hear it. Um, you can follow, so follow us on Twitter at unofficialdcom for podcast updates and more. And you can email us uh, at unofficialdcom at gmail.com if you have any questions you want answered, thoughts, or you just want to hit us up. Uh, new episodes every Thursday. And if Tony can hustle a little bit more next week, join us for when we talk about Stepsister from Planet Weird. There's no reason a vamp. I had it. I, you, your eyes were wide open. I was scared. You My eyes are always wide open. Stepsister from Planet Weird. Sounds like that's going to be a weird movie. Gonna be a doozy. A doo doo doozy. And doo doo. <laughs> Do we have any more soapbox sandals to talk about? Soapbox sandals? Soapbox scandals. Well, actually. See you guys next week. Bye.